morning. Our scripture this morning comes from James 5, 13 through 20. Um, it's called the prayer of faith. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of joy and praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of, righteous, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. May the words of James inspire us to deepen our connection with God through prayer, to forge deeper bonds of fellowship within our community, and to hold onto the praise of healing and restoration that God graciously offers to us. Amen. Good morning. Good morning to all who are worshiping on site as well as those who are joining us online today. This is the day the Lord has made, so let's rejoice. Let's be glad in it. So you are invited to follow along as we dig into God's word today. The page number for our Pew Bibles is listed on the screen. And a reminder that you're always welcome and invited to bring your own personal Bibles to worship. And or you are welcome to use a Bible app on your mobile devices. Now since July, we have been exploring this and that. This is our sermon series from the letter of James to the early Christian church. And today we come to the conclusion reflecting on singing and praying. We will also be participating in some special prayer opportunities. Now, I do want to lift up that next weekend, lift up again, that next weekend the church and brunch all at once is going to be on site. So we are going to have a bonus message from the letter of James, a passage that has not yet been preached. And so uh, those who are online will be able to see that. But those who are on site, you'll also have an opportunity to go back later and you can check out that bonus message. Would you please join me in prayer? Almighty God, open our ears that we may hear your word. Open our eyes that we may see your glory in our midst. Open our hearts that we might know your spirit's presence with us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So this and that. The structure of the letter of James allowed us to think about these important themes and concepts. 
the primary goal of James was for new believers to be mature followers of Jesus Christ. They needed the wisdom of this and that to be able to do so. Now, like our faith ancestors, since July 9th, we have experienced the inspiration and challenge of this and that, reflecting on trials and temptations, listening and doing, speaking and acting, faith and deeds, horses and ships, and submitting and resisting. As we approach singing and praying today, we realize that the power of prayer cannot be explained, and yet it can be experienced. The letter of James began with an emphasis on prayer, and now the letter concludes with a call to prayer. Last week, you and I were reminded that if we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. When the world pulls us this way and that way, we need to draw from what I call our faith toolboxes. Now, one of the resources that I turn to from time to time is Psalm 23. How many of you have Psalm 23 in your faith toolboxes? Because it's a very good one. I can imagine that this holds true for many of us on site as well as those who are worshiping with us online. The prayer words of Psalm 23 honestly have calmed me down on bumpy flights in strong storms, whether I was on the road or even in my home, and during far too many sleepless nights when I wake up between 3.30 and 4 o'clock and can't get back to sleep. Yet there are moments that, that I think that I can handle everything on my own. Anybody else ever feel like that? I feel like I can do it all by myself. I, I don't always need to turn to my shepherd God and remember verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, in Max Lucado's book, Traveling Light, he says that life without a shepherd might end up with Psalm 23 sounding something like this. I am my own shepherd. I am always in need. I stumble from mall to mall and shrink to shrink, seeking relief but never finding it. I creep through the valley of the shadow of death and fall apart. I fear everything from pesticides to power lines, and I'm starting to act like my mother. <laughs> I go to the weekly staff meeting or coffee shop, and I feel like I'm surrounded by my enemies. I go home, and even the goldfish scowls at me. <laughs> I anoint my headache with extra strength Tylenol. My beverage of choice runneth over. Surely misery and misfortune will follow me and I will dwell in self-doubt self for the rest of my life. Ouch. So Lucado asks, why is it that the ones who most need the shepherd resist him so? You and I are invited to turn to our shepherd God in prayer each day. Honestly, prayer must surround everything that you and I do. No matter how we are feeling, or what we're going through, prayer is the most powerful resource in the Christian faith toolbox. So according to Pew Research Center, 68% of Christians pray at least daily. And I want you to kind of see where you fall in this. 17% pray weekly, 5% pray monthly, 9% pray seldom or never, and 1% said they didn't know how often they pray. 
But let's specifically talk about those who pray at least daily. 87% of that 68% say they believe in God. 83% believe in the importance of religion. 60% are women. And I want to remind you that of those who pray monthly, 60% are men. 59% who pray daily attend worship at least once a week. 42% also participate in prayer, scripture, or religious education groups. I think that's key and important. 37% have a household income of less than $30,000. Wow. And 33%, the largest percentage reported, is that in the age group of 30 to 49. Wow. By the way, I think this is really great news. And the next age, age level is 50 to 64 with 30% praying daily. Furthermore, 77% of those who pray at least daily experience a feeling of spiritual peace and well-being. Now, those are up-to-date statistics for us to ponder. James didn't have the benefit of having a Pew Research Center or even a Barna group to help him to understand the prayerful picture of the early Christian movement. But he could see it living out right before him. Remember that James knew their struggles with oppression and persecution. James knew their challenges with being tempted and playing favorites. James knew that their faith had to be real and it had to be authentic to change the world for Jesus. And so now we dig into our Bible passage. James asks, is anyone among you in trouble? You better be praying. Is anyone happy? You ought to be singing songs of praise. Singing and praying was important to the early Christian community. While the message is indeed important to worship, for generations, Christians have recognized the importance of singing songs, whether that be traditional, contemporary, or something in between. Christians have also embraced the importance of setting time apart in worship to pray. Now, in our focus passage, James then asks, is anyone sick? Is anyone sick? If so, then you just might be calling the elders together, praying over people in need and anointing them. Now, the practice of anointing is not unique in the biblical witness. In the Old Testament, items and places were anointed with oil to deem them as set apart and holy. Priests and kings were anointed to set them apart for their sacred duties. Hebrew people were even anointed as a practice to welcome someone into their home. In the New Testament, anointing was used to establish and emphasize faith practices like fasting and, of course, healing. Jesus was anointed at Bethany as a sign of his servant leadership and his impending sacrifice. The apostles continued this practice of anointing for leadership and for healing. Even to this day, anointing with oil is a sign of God's love, longing to heal people by the power of the Holy Spirit. For 20 years in pastoral ministry, I have made the intentional decision to include opportunities for healing and anointings of oil in the churches that I have served. 
In fact, I have in my possession, you may wonder what this is, in my possession, every empty jar of anointing oil that I've ever used. <laughs> Why do I keep this? Because it's a sign. It's a sign and it's a, it's a witness of the power of prayer and something that I take very seriously and something that I don't ever want to forget. These anointings of oil were for those facing cancer and treatment, for those battling disease and addiction, those estranged from loved ones and friends, those experiencing mental health issues and crises, those facing transitions and job changes, and those nearing death and getting a taste of eternal life. One of my favorite anointing stories comes from a healing service as part of the Alpha Course, and this was in Columbus. We knew that there was this woman who was a cancer survivor, and uh, Kathy was extremely sensitive to oils and to scents. And so the parish nurse reminded me, make sure that you use the unscented oil if Kathy comes to your station. Well, in the spirit of the moment, Kathy came and she was anointed with the rose-scented oil. I was like, oh no. And then we concluded our service, and at the end, I went to Kathy, and she, I said, I am so sorry. And she said, wait a minute. She said, what scent was that? And I said, well, it's called Rose of Sharon. And she said, I said, I'm so sorry. And she said, no, 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 you don't understand. She said, before I went up to pray, I was thinking about my grandmother. I was thinking about her legacy, and I was thinking about her faith. And she said, I just was missing my grandmother so much, and I was praying for her presence to be made known to me. And she said, and after I was anointed and I went back to my seat, she said, my grandmother always wore a rose-scented perfume. <laughs> the woman certainly felt her grandmother's presence through God's healing touch. Now, James witnesses that prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the sin-sick. James understood, like Jesus, that spiritual health and physical health often went hand in hand. When someone was struggling spiritually, they needed to reconnect with the source of their strength and hope, and they needed to ask for physical, emotional, and mental healing. In fact, the root word for healing in the New Testament Greek was sozo. It's the same word that is actually used to explain salvation and wholeness. Now, spiritual healing is God's work. It offers persons balance and harmony and wholeness of the body, mind, and spirit and in relationships. All healing of God is amazing. And it's not magic, but it is mysterious. It's the mystery of God's great love. Now, God does not promise that we are ever going to be spared from suffering, but God does promise to be with us in our suffering. And we recognize that the greatest healing of all is the reconciliation of a human being with God. When this happens, physical healing sometimes occurs. Mental and emotional balance is restored, and spiritual health is enhanced, and relationships healed. Remember again that the early Christian church was counting on people to stay connected with that movement of faith and hope and love through their prayers for physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. One of the most quoted verses in the letter of James comes from the second half of verse 16. 
the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I don't just want to ask if you believe this. I want to know the depth of how you believe this. Do you believe without a doubt that God answers prayers? One of the pastor role models in my life said that God often answers prayer in four ways. Yes, no, not yet, and four, are you out of your mind? <laughs> now, by the way, this, this doesn't mean that we can't ask God in prayer where the response might be that last one. <laughs> but today I want you to think about a time in your life when your prayers were answered. Maybe God didn't answer in the way that you were expecting, but that's okay too. As God's people, we need to pray continuously, without ceasing, allowing prayer to guide our lives from a moment that we wake up, even if it's at four in the morning, until that moment that we go to sleep. Now, earlier in this sermon series, I shared one of my favorite quotes. Prayer is our lifeline to God. Too, too often we ask ourselves, how do people get through the hard times in life without God? That is really a rhetorical question, isn't it? Yet James reminds us that, that prayer isn't just for those hard times. Even in good times, we are called to be praying those prayer songs. We're called to be singing those prayer songs. Wisdom lives out faith through singing and praying. Now, I do believe that the letter of James intentionally tests and challenges our understanding what it, of what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and to live out the Christian faith in meaningful ways, not just in word, but in works, and not just in works, but always in faith. Back to our passage, James then lifts up the example of Elijah. There are so many lessons in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, so I invite you to read those in the comfort of your home when you have a moment. But when James first used this example, those original hearers would have remembered that the drought came as a judgment on God's people. And then the rains came when they returned to the Lord and abandoned their idols. And all this happened in the context of Elijah's prayer. But let's be clear, though, that prayer is not just a task for the professionals, for clergy, for Christian leaders, and for the, those in the medical profession. Every Christian has been called to prayer. Pray for one another, for the sin sick, as well as the sick for the nation as well as for the world. Imagine what would happen if each Christian would just spend five minutes every day in prayer. James concludes his letter with a reminder that a little accountability goes a long way. If someone wanders from the truth of Christ, then by all means bring them back. Remember most that this is about demonstrating the grace and compassion of Jesus because people fall away from the church for so many reasons. Yet staying away shouldn't be because they think that they do not matter. 
James even indicates that this could be a matter of spiritual life and death, covering a multitude of sins. So remember that when you and I approach people who've gone down another path, we can gently and lovingly remind them that that we care enough, and so does Jesus. Biblical scholar N.T. Wright says that for James, and I quote, in prayer, the Christian stands at the overlap point of heaven and earth, of the present and the future. This is the place where important work must be done. James urges Christians to pay attention to their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and to bring them back with humility and with patience. For the people called Methodists, John Wesley encouraged class meetings in which Christians could experience discipleship and accountability. Participants would respond to the question, how is it with your soul? And they would remain in that setting until everyone had an opportunity to answer the question. Now for those who had experienced justification by faith and new birth, meaning that they had come to experience salvation in Jesus Christ, they might band together in groups. They were banded together in groups of five, separated by gender and marital status. And they would further discuss five questions, including what known sins have you committed since our last meeting and what temptations have you met with? This was a place of deep vulnerability, yet it allowed people to wrestle with the challenges of the faith together. Sounds like a pretty wise idea, doesn't it? Now, from time to time, you and I do need to evaluate our prayer habits as individuals and as a church. Are we praying with faith, expecting God to act, or just praying out of routine? Our prayers can guide us as individuals to have an authentic faith. Our prayers can guide us as a church to support one another through community and through the body of Christ. Again, imagine if we dedicated ourselves to singing and praying with our entire being. Earlier, we heard what the prayer song, Psalm 23, might sound like for those who didn't believe in their shepherd God. We do believe, amen? And therefore, we can approach God's throne of grace and love, and we can pray with faith and with confidence. As we celebrate the light and healing of Jesus Christ today, we're going to be inviting those who are on site to come forward as the Spirit moves to participate in some prayer opportunities. You may light a candle on behalf of yourself or someone else. And just a reminder that as you pick up one of these candles, pick up the whole thing, the glass and all, take out the candle, and you may light it battery operated and you may place it back into the glass but you may also come forward for an anointing of oil we're going to have three stations up front and if you notice that one line um, is is not as long as another please feel free to move around the ushers will not be guiding you this is just going to be a free time for you to come forward to receive that anointing of oil and I know that this is not a new practice to this church family you just did it most recently on Ash Wednesday But if you are new to that anointing of oil, when you come forward, you may 
um, have an anointing of oil on your forehead, please move your hair out of the way. Or you may also place your hand, lift it up, and you will be anointed on the top of your hand. You will hear the words in the name of Jesus, receive this anointing for healing and hope. And I want to tell you that sometimes people immediately feel something change within them. Sometimes others may feel something hours or even days later. Now, for those who are online, we want to also invite you to participate in prayer today. Whether you are alone, whether you're with another person, or even if you're with your family, we would invite you to create a prayerful place for you to lift up your prayers. We also want to invite you to find a light that you can light in your home, and that may be a candle, battery-operated, or, or by a lighter, or you may also just turn on a flashlight, <laughs> but allow that light of Christ to bless you. We want to allow Christ's healing presence to bless all of us today. Now, with this and that wisdom from James, Christians of all generations have been challenged to keep fighting the good fight of faith. And we know that that good fight begins and ends with singing and praying. May grace and peace be yours in abundance and the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come today to lift up our brothers and sisters before the Lord that they might receive healing. So let those who seek God's healing open their hearts to the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious and almighty God, we love you and we praise you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom of James that has inspired us and challenged us. Help us to be wise and help us to grow into those mature Christians that you've called us to be. And God, today we lift up the opportunity for healing, healing of body and mind and spirit. So God, giver of health and salvation, we give thanks to you for the gift of your son Jesus, the light of the world. And this day we give thanks to you for the gift of oil, as your holy apostles anointed many who were sick and healed them, so pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here on site and online and on these gifts of light and healing. That all who may receive the anointing and experience your light and grace may be made whole through Jesus Christ our Lord, who taught his disciples to pray together their family prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.